It is all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And we're here to celebrate Jesus today. We're here to lift him up. Because without him, nothing is possible. But with him, all things are possible. Good morning, everybody. I'm so glad that you're here. I said that earlier, but I am. I'm glad that you're here. It's been a crazy week. Hasn't it been a crazy week? And like I said, it's been a crazy week, it's been a crazy month, it's been a crazy year. I mean, how many of you on your bingo cards, you had, you know, hurricanes, feral barges, <laughs> murder hornets, right, COVID, all of these different things. I mean, we just didn't see some of this stuff coming. But the great thing is that we serve a great God who knows what's happening and is always there to walk us through it. That we're never having to go through anything alone. And I think that's powerful. I think that's encouraging. I, f- I find great encouragement with that. You know, it used to be when there would be a storm in my life, there, there would be so much fear that would come on. But now I know that God is with me. He's going to get me through it, and it's going to be okay. That no matter what happens, no matter what this world might throw at me, it's going to be all right because God is with me. Jesus loves me. He's there for me. You know, that we used to sing that song when I was a kid, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know. I think that's probably the most powerful song that's ever been written. Because it gives us such comfort. We know he's with us. He's going to get us through. He's there for us. It's great, great comfort. Hey, listen, I want to take a second and say hello to everybody that is watching online. Do me a favor, Coast. Let's give a big hand to everybody that's watching online this morning. I know we don't have an internet connection here at the church yet because of the storm. Uh, So hopefully this is uh, playing okay and getting through to each of you. Just want to tell you, if you're watching online, do me a favor. Go down to the po- below this post and hit share, and be sure and share this post with your friends. We are in week seven of a series called Rethink, and we've been talking about how to rethink your life. You know, you can't move into the new territory that God has for your life with the same old way of thinking. It just doesn't work. If you keep thinking the same things over and over again, you're not going to have any changes in your life. Now, the Bible calls changing your mind, changing your thinking, that changing your thought process, repentance. This is a series on repentance. The Greek word metanoia is the word for repentance, and it simply means to change your mind. Anytime you change your mind from the way you've been looking at something to the way God sees it, it's called repentance. Life is about learning to think less and less from our point of view, which is a little skewed, it's a little beat up, it's a little twisted by life, and then changing it to the way God thinks, starting to think the way God thinks. Because God is always going to think the truth. And the more I get God's truth into my life, the more I begin to change my thoughts and I can repent and start to live a better life. Why? Because our thinking controls everything. What you think controls your feelings, your emotions, what's going on in your heart. And what's going on in your heart controls your actions. So if you want to change your life, you don't start at your actions. You don't start at your feelings. You start at the way you think. And that's what this series is about. Now last week, we talked about temptation. We talked about temptation and and told you that if you're going to deal with temptation, the key is not to resist it. The key is to outthink it. You have to think about temptation in a different way. You have to change your mind. You have to repent. If you didn't hear that message, you need to go online and listen to it because it's a powerful message on overcoming temptation in our life. But you have to rethink. See, the same is true of all these things we've been talking about. Now this week, I want to talk about changing your mind about the way you think about the things that discourage you. I meet people all the time, man, who are discouraged. They're ready to throw in the towel. They're ready to give up. They say, you know what, Robert? There's just so much bad in the world right now. Well, well, I hate to tell you this, but it's always been that way. It's always been bad because the Bible says God gives us a free will. And so we choose sometimes not to do the things that we know are the right things to do. Not to walk the way that we know that God has told us to walk. And when when we don't follow what God says, and we don't do what God says, the Bible says that is sin. And so people get discouraged. So today, I want to look at how to defeat discouragement in your life. And you know what? I think this is so cool. This just shows the goodness of God and the way God does things. 
But this message series was planned out way, way, way in advance. We had no idea that it would come up just a week right after a hurricane, right? How to defeat discouragement in your life. Look, I don't know what's discouraging you this morning. It could have been the storm and going through all of that. It could be your finances. It could be your health or a relationship. Or you might be discouraged by the state of the world that we're in and all the political fighting and all of that. Well, if that's you and you're discouraged, you picked a great week to be at Coast because we're going to talk about it. If you're watching online, you picked a great week to watch. So if you would, look at your message notes. Uh, those of you that are in uh, Coast, you should have gotten some as you walked in the door. Those of you that are watching online, you'll find it on the Facebook feed just below the post you're watching right now. You know, discouragement is something that can mess you up. It can cause you to want to give up trying. It can cause you to give up hoping. It can cause you to, to give up caring. When you get discouraged, you can give up believing. Don't stop. Right. <laughs> so the Bible has a lot to say about this subject, discouragement. Exodus 6, 9. Take a look at this verse with me. Moses told the people what the Lord had said, but they wouldn't listen anymore. They had become what? Too discouraged by the increasing burden of their slavery. I wonder what it is that's enslaving you today. I wonder what the burden is that is weighing you down. I wonder what problem has been with you so long in your life that has become chronic. In this passage, they couldn't even hear God speaking to them anymore because they were so discouraged. The burden was too heavy. They were too overwhelmed. And when that happens, you don't know what to think. You don't know what to believe. You don't know what to care about. That's discouragement. King David experienced this. In Psalm 42, 5, he says this, Why am I so discouraged? Why am I so sad? But then watch the shift in his thinking. He says, I will put my hope in God. I will put my hope in God. Anytime you feel discouraged, you need to change your thoughts. You need to change your focus. You need to change your mind. Now today we're going to look at a great example from this from the Apostle Paul on how to change your thoughts so that you're not discouraged. And if you know his story, Paul had a lot of reasons to be discouraged by life. He had a tough life, certainly a lot tougher than we have. If you don't believe that, just take a look here on the screen. I want to read a couple of, of things to you. For those uh, that are watching online, it's not in your message notes, so just listen to me as I read. This is from 2 Corinthians. This is Paul's testimony. He says, I've worked much harder. I've been in prison more frequently because of preaching the gospel. I have been flogged more severely. I doubt any of you have ever experienced that. I've been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received 39 lashes with a whip. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, and he's not talking about getting high. He's talking about people were literally throwing rocks at him to kill him. And he says, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, nearly stoned to death. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent night and day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, from bandits, from my own countrymen. I've been in danger from the Gentiles, in danger in the city and the country, at sea, and in danger from false brothers. He says, I've often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst, and I've gone without food. I've been cold and I've been naked, no, with no clothes. Besides everything, I face the daily pressures of my concern for all the churches. And you think you've got problems, right? Now, I wanted to read that to you because if anybody ever had a right to be discouraged, it was Paul. If your life is like that, you would have every right to be discouraged. Yet in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul gives us seven secrets to defeating discouragement in our life. And that's really what I want to talk about today. Here's the first one. Let's just jump right in. The first secret of defeating discouragement is this. Never forget how much God loves me. Never forget how much God loves me. So you've got to keep this constantly in focus if you're going to be immune to discouragement because everything in life flows out of the love of God, out of the mercy of God, out of the grace of God, out of the kindness of God. It all flows out of God's love. 
Now, of course, you know God loves you. You've probably heard it all your life. You probably sang that song I mentioned a minute ago, Jesus loves me, this I know. Uh, you've heard me preach it over and over and over again. You know God loves you, you but do you feel it? I mean, you, you know it here, but do you feel it here? Because when you stop feeling the love of God and you can't feel it in your heart, that's when you start to get discouraged. So you've got to feel God's mercy. You've got to feel God's grace. You've got to feel his love. 2 Corinthians 4.1. And by the way, 2 Corinthians 4 is where we're drawing all of these principles from. And it's just so powerful. If you start to get discouraged, read through 2 Corinthians 4. He says, God in his mercy has given us this ministry and work to do. That's why we don't get discouraged and we never give up. Now, in this chapter, about three or four times, Paul's going to say this. We're not going to get discouraged. We're not going to give up. We're just not going to let it happen. This whole chapter is on discouragement. And he starts by saying, I don't get discouraged because I remember how God loves me. I remember the mercy of God. I remember the grace of God. I remember the kindness of God. When I'm focused on these things, it, dis- it drives discouragement away. Come on, somebody. That's what God does in our life. He says, God in his mercy has given us. See, everything that you have in your life is a gift from God. The breath that you're breathing right now, the life that you're living, all of it is from the mercy of God. Your life itself, the health you have. So what is mercy? Well, it's a lot of things. But mercy is God giving me what I need and not what I deserve. Aren't you glad that God gives us what we need and not what we deserve? Right? Me too. Mercy is when God knows every mistake I'll ever commit, and yet he creates me anyway. Mercy is when God knows every sin I'll ever commit, and yet he still loves me. That's mercy. Paul says, for me not to get discouraged, what I have to do is I have to remember the mercy and the grace and the love of God. He says, that keeps me going. That's what keeps me getting through everything. When you get discouraged, I guarantee you, it's because you've stopped feeling the love of God. And because you can't, you can't feel the love of God and be discouraged at the same time. It's just not possible. I don't know. I mean, you just can't. And I don't know why, but I've met a lot of Christians over the years. They don't feel God's love because when they hear God speaking to them, they only hear him speaking to them in a critical voice. It's always negative. Listen, if the voice that you're hearing from God is always negative, it's not God. It's not God. I've met so many people who would say to me week after week after week after week, they would say, hey, I was listening to your message today, and, you know, God just convicted me of this sin in my life. And, you know, that's great because God does that. He, he, the Holy Spirit comes in, convicts us of things that we're, we're doing that are pulling us off track and pulls us back in. But when it's week after week after week, and I go, wow, that was, I, was, I was hoping that was going to be a really encouraging message today, and, you know, you're feeling all bad and that sort of stuff. And finally, you know, when, when people do that over and over and over again, I want to ask them, does God ever say, ever say anything nice to you? Right? Does God ever tell you how much he loves you? Because they can, you can tell. They're not feeling the love of God. And because of that, they're discouraged. You've got to keep the love of God in your mind. Remember, you were created to be loved by God. God made you to love you. We've talked about this so many, many times. That the number one purpose in your life is not to do good. The number one purpose in your life is not to love God back. The number one purpose in your life is to be loved by God. To let God love you. Are you doing that? Are you letting God love you? And keep the mercy and love and grace of Christ always in your mind. That's the first key to defeating discouragement in your life, remembering that you are greatly, greatly loved. Now, the second verse, uh, uh, he gives us the second key of defeating discouragement, and this is really important. It's never fake it. Never fake it. Be yourself. What I'm talking about here is being authentic, being genuine, being real, See, you've got to be who God made you to be. Nothing is more discouraging than trying to be something you're not. Because when you wear a mask, and I'm not talking about for COVID, I'm talking about when you're hiding yourself, when you're trying to be something you're not, when you're putting on an act, when you're posing, right? It gets tiring. 
and you become afraid. You start to get fear in your life because you're thinking, what if people find out who I really am? You're afraid that maybe that God won't even love you and that people won't love you. Nothing's more discouraging than trying to be something you're not. I'll say it as clearly as I possibly can. God didn't make you to be somebody else. He didn't. When you get to heaven, God isn't going to say, why couldn't you be more like your sister? Can you be more like your mom, your dad, your brother? Can you be more like Billy Graham? Can you be more like Vicki Pooley, right? Close to Jesus as you can get, right? No, God doesn't do that. Here's the point. God doesn't bless fakes. God doesn't bless posers. God doesn't bless you when you try to pretend to be something you're not. If you want God's blessing on your life, be who God created you to be. Stop trying to please everybody. You know, God didn't put you on the earth for the approval of everybody else, right? Uh, he put you on the earth to be who you are, to be who he made you to be. And when you do that, you start to feel his smile. Listen, God doesn't need two of anybody, right? We, we, don't, we don't need a carbon copy. We don't need to be a carbon copy of somebody else. So many people, they start out in life being originals, but then they wind up just being a carbon copy of somebody else. And man, that, that's wrong. When you try to be something that you're not, it's discouraging. Paul says, listen, don't fake it. Here's what he says, 2 Corinthians 4.2. He says, we don't try to trick anyone. In other words, we're not trying to pretend to be something that we're not. And we don't twist the word of God. Instead, we teach the truth plainly, showing everyone who we really are. Then they can know in their hearts what kinds of people we are in God's sight. Paul says, I'm just trying to be myself. I'm just trying to be who God made me to be. I'm not trying to please everybody. I've got nothing to hide. What you see is what you get. And nothing more discouraging than trying to please everybody. Why? Well, because God even can't do that. Some of you are going to go home and watch football this afternoon, and I'll guarantee you there's going to be some people that are going to be praying for their team to win, and there's going to be some people praying for the other team to win, and somebody's going to be unhappy. <laughs> right? So even God can't please everybody. It's discouraging. Why try? What I'm saying is, look, you don't have to be perfect for God to bless you, but you do have to be authentic. You have to be real. You, Paul says, first, I want you to remember, God is never going to stop loving you. And second, be who God created you to be, warts and all. I always tell people, no one in my high school class would have ever picked me to be a pastor. They just never would have saw that coming. Uh, my sisters are in the back rows. Am I right? Yeah. Nobody would have ever seen that coming. Nobody in my class, including me. None of us would have saw this coming. But you see, if God can use a doofus like me, he can use anybody. Come on. Amen. <laughs> now, what keeps you from being authentic? What is it that's keeping you from being real? One word. Fear. Fear. What keeps you from being honest about your, your own weaknesses? It's the fear of rejection. What's the antidote to the fear of rejection? Point number one. Keep focusing on God's unconditional love for me. I keep focusing on the idea that God loves me. He created me. He understands me. He's here. So it's very important that we do these first two things if we're not going to be discouraged. We have to focus on God's love and then quit faking it. Be ourselves. Be who God created us to be. Third secret to defeating discouragement. Remember, it's not about me. In fact, would you say that with me? It's not about me. Yeah. The more self-focused I am in life, the more discouraged I'm going to be. Every time you forget that life is bigger than you are, that you're not the center of the universe, that you're not trying to hold the whole world on your shoulders, right? And when you forget that, you're either going to wind up being prideful or fearful or you're going to get bitter because God didn't create the world to revolve around you. See, not only that, but when you think about, you know, when you start to think that everything is all about you, you know what happens? You start taking everything personally and you wind up getting your feelings hurt so easily. 2 Corinthians 4, 5. Paul's writing, he says, 
Our message is not about ourselves. It's not about you. It's not about me. Right? It's about Jesus Christ as Lord. We're merely servants for Jesus' sake. Now, a couple important things in this verse. First, it says our message is not about ourselves. God has a unique life message for you. He puts you on this earth because he has something that he wants to say through the, to the world through you. And the message that God wants to say through you to the entire world is called your life message. And your life message is not about you. It's about him. It's about him. Your life message is about God. Now, this is such a countercultural idea. It's hard for us to understand in our culture because everything in our culture says just the exact opposite. It says, it's all about you. It's all about you. Have it your way. We do it all for you. You deserve the best today. You're number one. you got to think about you. There is no advertisement in the world that you're going to watch that says think about others. There's no advertisement that you're going to watch on TV that says think about God. Everything says think about you. It's all about you, 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 you. We have to remind ourselves, I'm not the center of this great story that we find ourselves in. God is the center. It's his story. I'll tell you personally, I have to remind myself all the time. Sometimes somebody will give me a compliment. I have to remind myself, it's not about me. Sometimes people will say something mean, and I'll have to go, you know what? It's not about me. Sometimes uh, people will misjudge something that I did, and you go, it's not about me. I have to constantly remind myself, it's not about me. Why? Well, because when I focus on me, I'm going to get discouraged. Now, the second part of that same verse, he says it's not about us, but we're merely servants for Jesus' sake. Now, this phrase, for Jesus' sake, Paul uses it twice in this chapter. He says, we do what we do for Jesus' sake. And what he's talking about here is motivation. Now, motivation and discouragement have a lot to do with each other. God, I really want you to catch this. God is more interested in why we do what we do than what you do. In other words, he's interested in the heart. God is always more interested in why you're doing what you're doing than the, why, than the, the what or the how. Because he cares about the motivations of your heart. He cares about what's going on here. A lot of people start off in life knowing why they're doing what they're doing. They know why they went into this particular career. They know why they married this person or whatever. I mean, when you forget why you married your spouse, when you forget why you're doing your job or you chose this career, when you forget why you gave your life to Jesus Christ, when you forget the why, you're going to get discouraged. You're going to get discouraged discouragement always happens when we forget the why. So let me ask you before we move on, why do you do what you do? Why do you do what you do? Some people say, well, you know, I just do it to put money in my pocket or I do it to put food on the table. That's not a good motivation. That'll wear out pretty quickly. So we need to know the why. You know, I do it for the sake of Jesus. Everything I do comes out of my love for Jesus which is fueled by his love for me. All right. Here's the next one. Fourth secret of defeating discouragement. Uh, I need to relax in my limitations. I need to relax in my limitations. Now, why is that? Why is that an important uh, detriment to discouragement? Why is it an antidote? Well, you, it's because you get discouraged when you try to be Superman. You get discouraged when you try to be Superwoman, right? You get discouraged when you try to do more than is humanly possible. It means that you haven't relaxed in your limitations. We need to have a realistic view of ourselves. Here's an important fact for you. Are you ready? Everybody ready? You can't fix everybody's problems. We think we can. We want to, right? But, but we can't. You can't do everything you want to do. You don't have the time, the money, and the resources. I mean, even if you had the money and resources, you don't have the time to do everything you want to do. It just doesn't work. You, you can't spend money you don't have. Well, you can, but there's a word for that. It's called debt. And debt leads to what? 
Discouragement. <laughs> right? See, anytime you don't live within your limitations or the limitations of your life that are normal, you're going to get discouraged. I see way too many people trying to cram way too much into their life. Man, it's easier to fill your schedule than it is to fulfill it. Can I get a good amen? amen? That's true. It's always easier to get into something than it is to get out of it. It's easier to make a promise than it is to keep a promise. It's easier to get into debt than it is to get out of debt. We have to relax in our limitations. Now, Paul talks about our limitations. He talks about kind of the physical limitations of our body in verse 7. He says, you need to know your limits. You need to know the warning signs of when you're overextended. In 2 Corinthians 4, 7, he says this. He says, we're like clay jars in which the treasure, the, the treasure of God is stored and the real power comes from God and not from us. He says, our bodies, our bodies are like pottery. We're like clay jars. Now, if you've seen clay jars, you know that some of them are beautiful and ornate, and some of them can be quite plain. But the truth is, is all of them have one thing in common. They all break easily. Now, God says our bodies are like clay jars, and we've all got some little dings and some little chips and some little things that are missing. Why? Because we've been beat up by life. We've been walking on this broken planet, this crazy world, you know. And, and so, you know, sometimes you feel that way. You feel beat up. Some of you probably came in this morning feeling just a little beat up by life. Well, this is us just being honest with who we are. You know, I don't know if you've noticed this, but I have. God often puts his greatest gifts in the weakest people. And I think that's a great thing. I think it's an awesome thing. Because then people will go, well, that's got to be God. That's got to be God. God often puts his greatest gifts in the weakest vessels so that his glory shines through. And the truth is, is for all of history, God has only used flawed people. I mean, it's true, except for Jesus. Jesus was the only perfect one. If God was waiting for a perfect person to get everything done, it would never happen because there is no perfect people. And if you're here and you think you're a perfect person, <laughs> you're wrong. That's your first mistake. <laughs> you know, I thought about this re recently. My life has gone through quite a few stages when it comes to this idea of my own weaknesses. Uh, when I first became a Christian, when I first started living for the Lord, I didn't even know I had weaknesses. Right? You guys remember that phase? You just become a Christian and you think, okay, everything's great. You don't even think you have any weaknesses, right? Then I reached a phase where I discovered my weaknesses and I denied them. <laughs> and then I moved from denial to accepting that I had them and hiding them. I knew I had them, I just hid them. Then I went from hiding to rationalizing and excusing them. Eventually, I matured enough that I could accept them. These are what I have. And then today I feel kind of like Paul. I take glory in my weaknesses because it's in my weak places that God's able to work. It's in those weak places in my life that God's strength can be perfected. The Bible says his grace is sufficient for me. His strength is made perfect in my weaknesses. So Paul says, therefore I glory in my weaknesses. I, 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 I don't hide them because they're a great place for God to work. And where I'm weak, God is strong. I mean, when you think about it, I mean, think about it. When, when Jesus came to earth, how did he come? He didn't come as this big, you know, warrior. He came as a baby. He came as a baby. He had to learn to walk. He had to have his, his diaper changed. We don't like to think of Jesus that way. But he came in weakness. The kingdom entered through weakness, not through strength. God has always used weak people who trust him so his strength can go through them. See, that's what humility is all about. Humility is not denying your strengths, right? It's being honest about your weaknesses. And you're a bundle of both. I'm a bundle of both. I've got some good strengths and I've got some, some major weaknesses. You have some good strengths in your life and you have some strong weaknesses in your life. We're a bundle of both. And humility is not denying our strengths. It's just being honest about our weaknesses. 
Paul says, just be real. Be honest. Accept your limitations. All right? Here's number five. You getting anything out of this? All right, here's the fifth one. The fifth secret of defeating discouragement is use my pain to help others. Now, I'm really going to go into a lot more detail uh, on this next week, but I want to talk about it for a second because this is the fifth thing that Paul talks about in this chapter on discouragement. Paul says, I use my pain to help other people. You remember the list that we went through just a minute ago? All the shipwrecks and the prison time and the beatings and all those things. You guys remember that? In 2 Corinthians 4, 8, and 9, he now says, We often suffer, but we're never crushed. Even though we don't know what to do, we don't give up. There he is again. We never give up. We're not getting discouraged. We're not giving up. In times of trouble, God is with us. And when we get knocked down, we get up again, right? Now, why? Why is Paul this resilient? Why is Paul so resistant to discouragement? What is it that allows him to get up every time he gets knocked down and just keep going? If you were to ask Paul, why did you put up with all that? Why did you put up with all the jailings and beatings and going without food and clothes and being shipwrecked three times and all those things that happened? Why did you put up with it? His answer would be in verse 15. He says, all of these sufferings of ours are for your benefit. Now, notice that phrase, for your benefit. This is called redemptive suffering. Redemptive suffering. He's saying all of these sufferings of ours are for your benefit. He's saying, I keep going. I don't get discouraged because I know it's helping others. Even the pain. Study after study after study has shown that you can handle enormous amounts of pain if you can see the reason for it, the purpose behind it. When you have pain and you don't see a purpose, it's unbearable. It's unbearable. When you see a purpose, a good purpose, then it becomes bearable. He says this, the purpose of my suffering is for other people. Sometimes you'll suffer for the benefit of other people. And at that moment, you are more like Christ than any other moment. Because that's what Jesus did. He died on the cross, not for his benefit, but for ours. He suffered on the cross for us. That's redemptive suffering. You know, sometimes God will let you go through pain. And not for your benefit. I mean, yeah, you, do, you will. You'll grow from it. But it's for the benefit of other people. Paul says, I keep going. I don't get discouraged because I know what's happening is going to benefit other people. Vicki and I, we've tried to do this in our lives. When Vicki went through breast cancer years ago, we found that it was an open door to minister to other people who were dealing with cancer and other people who were dealing with health situations and just remind them that God is with us and that you can find him in the midst of these painful situations. And it was painful. It was a painful time in our life. But God never wastes a hurt. And he used that pain. He allowed that pain to come into our lives so that we could use it to minister to other people. And we still do. What is it in your life that's so painful that you need to be using it to help other people? Your greatest ministry will come out of your deepest hurt. I'm going to say that again because I don't think you got it. Your greatest ministry is going to come out of your deepest hurt. If you're honest with God, and if you're honest with people, and if you're honest enough to talk about it with other people, the pain you've gone through in your life. And some of you, you've gone through some pain. And I just want to say I'm sorry. I'm, I'm so sorry that, that you've had to deal with some of the stuff that you did. That's part of living on this broken planet. There's suffering and there's evil here. And it's not good. And we should fight back and we should avoid it when we can and push it back where we can. But it's going to happen. Because there's pain on earth. There's suffering. So don't waste it. Use it for good. Paul says, I used my pain to help other people. That'll help you beat discouragement. Here's the sixth one. The sixth secret of defeating discouragement. How are we doing? We're doing great. Look at my time. All right. This is an important one. Take time for renewal. Everybody say renewal. renewal. You know, over the long haul, you're going to have to find ways to recharge, refresh, 
and renew yourself. And if you don't know how to recharge and refresh and renew yourself, you're going to get discouraged and you're going to want to give up. No matter what the project is, no matter what the goal is, no matter what the dream is. Paul talks about this in verse 16. He says, this is why we never give up. And it's the third time he's used this phrase. He's talking about overcoming discouragement. This is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, and literally in the Greek, that phrase dying is the phrase wasting away. Though our bodies are being wasted away, our spirits are, read it out loud with me, being renewed every day. Now that word renewed, you're going to have to learn to renew yourself every day. This is a, a, talking about a daily renewal. You've got to renew your mind. You've got to renew your body. You've got to renew your heart. You have to renew constantly. Now, obviously, physical, physically, our bodies are decaying. I mean, they are. I mean, all right, have you noticed you're not the sexy being you were 10 years ago? <laughs> right? I mean, you get older, you get bifocals and bulges and wrinkles and aches and pains. Some of us have furniture problems. You know what I'm talking about? That's when your chest drops into your drawers. Yeah, yeah. So you can't stop the aging process. You can't. But you can stay fresh on inside. I mean, if you've met people that were really, really old, and yet inside you can see there's just something new about them. There's just something exciting. They still think incredibly. They're, they're alive inside. Their body may be decaying, but their spirit, man, is refreshed and renewed. That's, I want to be that. I want to be, I can't stop the body. I mean, I may slow it down a little bit, but I can't stop it. But I can keep my spirit renewed. I can keep my spirit recharged. Paul says, man, I renew myself daily. How do you do that? Well, spiritually, you can renew yourself daily by having a daily quiet time with God, spending time with Him, reading the Word, praying, getting spiritually recharged. It's like hooking up a set of jumper cables to you, right, to get your spirit recharged. You need to know what it is that renews you emotionally. You need to know what renews you physically. And you need to renew yourself every single day. It'll help you fight discouragement. All right, here's the last one. All right, we'll take it home with this. The seventh secret of defeating discouragement. And this is a big one. Stay focused on eternity. Stay focused on eternity. And we've talked about this some in this series but I really want to talk about this in light of discouragement. This is Paul's final secret for defeating discouragement. He said, is, don't just look at the here and now. Whatever you do, don't just look at the here and now. You need to maintain an eternal perspective. You can't just live for the here and now. You've got to look beyond it. You've got to look ahead at the things that God has for you. And then you'll get over discouragement. See, the reality is you lose your perspective. Every time you get tired. When you get tired, you lose your perspective. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18. Last two verses, he says, Our present troubles are quite small. Well, let me just stop right there. This is the guy who had been beaten, gone without food, gone without clothing, all these different things. And he says, My present troubles are quite small. Compared to what? I mean, Seriously. Compared to what? It's a matter of perspective. And he's going to say, as he goes on, it's small compared to the rewards and the joys of what's coming, of what God has in store for me forever and ever and ever. He's saying, you know what? Even if I have a problem, even if I have a chronic problem in this life, and I've had that problem every day of my life that, I, that I've lived, if I live to be 60, 70, 80, 90 years old, it's nothing because I'm going to spend trillions and trillions and trillions of years without it, beyond it, where there is no pain, where there is no weeping, right? where there's great joy, where there's rewards in heaven. He's saying, really, this is quite small. Our present troubles are quite small and won't last very long, yet they produce in us an immeasurable great glory that will last how long? Forever. forever. It's going to last forever. So temporary problems, but joy and rewards and results and glory forever. So he says, here's the key. We don't look at the troubles 
which we can see right now. See, that's what's discouraging you. You're looking at the world. You're looking at the troubles. He says, we don't look at that. Rather, we look forward to what we have not yet seen. He's talking about heaven. For the troubles that we've seen will soon be over. Yeah, that's a great place for an amen. You're right. And soon be over, but the joys to come will last forever. You know, there's three kinds of motivation in life. Three, three kinds of motivations. And you need motivation to get you going. The first kind of motivation is an internal motivation. That's where you're going, you know what? I'm just going to rise up inside of me and I'm going to do this thing. That's an internal motivation. Then there's external motivation. That's where something from an external way gets you motivated and excited and, and you're kind of up. And those are great, but there's one that's even better. It's the eternal motivation, which is this life is not all there is. The Bible says that God has put eternity in the hearts of men. We all know intrinsically that there's more to this life than this here and now. That we just know you're going to have far more time on the other side than you are on this planet. So think about the eternal motivation. You realize this is how Jesus endured the cross. Look at this next verse, Hebrews 12, 2. Let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, on whom our faith depends from beginning to end. He did not give up. There's that phrase again. He did not give up. He didn't get discouraged because of the cross. On the contrary, because of the joy that was waiting for him, he thought nothing of the disgrace of dying on the cross. And now he's seated at the right hand of God's throne. How did Jesus handle all the pain and suffering? And he looked beyond it. He looked beyond it to the joy that was set before him. He looked to the reward. He set his eyes on eternity. There's a great quote that I love from Corey Ten Boom. For those of you who don't know, she was a Holocaust survivor. And this is what she says. She says, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. But if you look at Christ, you'll be at rest. All depends on what you have your eyes set on. Let's set our eyes. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus. Amen? Amen. These are the seven secrets to overcoming discouragement. But let me close with this promise from Galatians 6, 8. I don't know what's discouraging you this weekend, but here's a verse for you. Let us not get tired of doing what is right, for after a while we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't get discouraged and we don't give up. It's a promise of God for you. Bow your heads with me. Maybe you're here this morning and you're going through discouragement. I just want you to know that God sees you, that he's here for you, that he loves you, that he wants to help you past it. Maybe you're watching online and you're feeling discouraged. I want you to know that God sees you. He loves you. He's here for you. He wants to help you get through this. For those of you that are here in the room, if you're here today and you say, Robert, this is, I needed to hear this. I've been fighting some discouragement in your life, my life. Can I just pray for you? Can I just see your hands if that's you? I've been fighting some discouragement in my life. Hold them up real high. I just want to make sure. I don't want to miss anybody. Don't miss this opportunity. God wants to speak. Lots of hands. Father, I just thank you for every person that's here. I thank you for their, cur- their, their courage to admit, I've been, I've been fighting some discouragement. I've been, I've been fighting this thing where, where, where the enemy is trying to take the courage out of my life. Where he's been trying to overwhelm me by fear. Maybe you're watching online and that's you. You've just been discouraged. It seems like there's been so much. You've been looking at, you've been looking at life. You've been looking at 2020 and going, oh, this happened and then this happened and this happened. And now it's just like, you know, the next thing happens and you just go, oh, man. And you're just getting more and more discouraged by the minute. God wants to come along beside you. He wants to remind you of the cross. He wants you to remind you of how Jesus endured the cross, looking ahead to what was lying in store for him. God wants to say, I'm with you. I love you. I'm with you. My grace is enough for you. It's sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. This hard time that you're going through, it's just a season. 
I'm going to be with you. I'm going to get you through it. And you're going to see growth and you're going to see powerful things happening. And even though, you know, the, the enemy may have meant this or bad, God says, I'm going to bring good out of it. That's what it says in Romans. It says, it says that God will bring good even out of the bad things that happen to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. It's not a, it's not a promise for everybody. It's a promise for those who are walking with Christ. If you're here this morning and discouraged, I just want to pray for you. Father, I thank you for everyone that's dealing with discouragement, that you would really just encourage them this morning, that they would find something inside of them that would just rise up, that they would find the, the, the internal motivation, they would find the external motivation, but more than anything, that they would see and walk in the eternal motivation that they are going to be with you forever that they belong to you and that your hand is on them, that you'll never leave them nor forsake them, that you love them in a powerful way, that you have a plan and a purpose for them, and that everything they walk through, that you can use it. Even the painful stuff, you can use it for them. And you may not have brought the pain on them, but you can still bring good things out of it. And so, Lord, we come before you today and say thank you. Father, for everyone that's discouraged, lift them up today. Help them to see a new revelation of your son, Jesus. And I just want to say over you this morning, I just want to prophesy. Those of you that, that, that raised your hand and said, I'm dealing with discouragement. Those of you that are watching online and say, I'm dealing with discouragement in my life. I want to say to you, I believe that God's going to come along and he's going to bring a new encouragement into your life. But not only is he going to bring a new encouragement into your life, there's going to be something. I see a shifting coming a changing of your thinking. There's going to be a repentance of saying, you know what, I'm not going to allow those things to discourage me anymore the way I have in the past. I'm not going to allow them to beat me up the way they have in the past. Instead, I'm putting my hope in God. And what's going to happen is you're going to find yourself thinking differently. And when discouraging moments come, you're going to find yourself leaning into the arms of God. You're going to let Him just rock you through the storm in a powerful way. And what's going to happen is your life is going to wind up being a beacon to others to point towards Christ. God's going to use you. God, those of you that raised your hands and said, I've been fighting with encouragement, discouragement, God is going to use you. And you're going to go from being discouraged to being one of the biggest encouragers of anybody you know. God wants to do that in your life. If you receive that, would you just say amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you. And maybe... Maybe you're here this morning or you're watching online. And when I said, you know, that that promise that God will bring good even out of the bad things for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose, those that are in relationship with him, maybe you heard that and you go, you know what, I don't have a relationship with him. You, you, you may know about God or you may know about Jesus, but you don't know him. You don't have a relationship with him. There's a difference. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to walk with you through this life. If that's you and you say, Robert, that's where I'm at. I, I, I've never asked Jesus to come in and be the Lord of my life. Or maybe you did one time. Maybe you asked him to be the Lord of your life, but you've drifted away. You're not where you used to be. And you say, Robert, I need some prayer. If either of those two things are you, if you say, I'm, 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 never asked Jesus in, or I did and I've drifted away and I want to come back today. Would you pray for me? If that's you, I want to pray for you this morning. Can I just see your hands for here in the room? Thank you. Thanks. For those of you that are watching online, I want to lead you in a prayer right now. It's right there. You can just say this in your heart. You don't have to say it out loud. God will hear you. Say, dear Jesus, come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. That simply means that he's the one that's in control. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I thank you for forgiving my sins, for giving me a purpose for every day, and for granting me the hope of heaven for my future. As best as I know how, just tell him this, as best as I know how, I'm going to live my life for you and do my best to serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.
Everybody look up at me. If you prayed that prayer with me this morning, I want to ask you to take one of those blue cards, fill it in, just let me know. And if you, you prayed that prayer and you meant it this morning, take that blue card to the welcome desk, and, and they've got a, a gift for you. It's, a, it's a, a little booklet called Now What? And it's just, this is what you, this is what you do next. These are your next steps. If you're a first-time guest this morning, if you'll take that blue card to the welcome desk, we've got a special gift for you as well. And we'd love to give that to you. If you're watching online and, and you prayed that prayer with me this morning, take the comment card, uh, the, the connection card that's listed at the top of your comments. Just fill it out, put your address on it, and we'll mail you that booklet. And we're just happy to do that. Well, this is what we're going to do now. We're going to give you a chance to... Well, next week we're continuing our series called Rethink. We're going to be finishing up. And I'm going to be talking about rethinking the problem of pain. Rethinking how we think about our pain. And I just want to encourage you. You're going to want to be here for that. It's going to be a great one. If you got something out of today's message, when you get home, make sure you go online, find our Facebook page or our YouTube page. And, and, and share this message with some of your friends. Uh, and then one last thing, I want to speak a blessing over you. It's my joy as a pastor to be able to send you out with a blessing. So if you would, raise your hands. Father, thank you for every person that's here. I pray that you bless them this week in all that they do, that you pour your spirit out upon them. Father, that you would give them wisdom in all that they do, that they would walk in wisdom according to your word. She would give them a blessing and an anointing in all that they do. And Father, that she would give them divine appointments that they could tell other people the story of what you've done in their life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you guys.